connected. Sign up for our newsletter. Go beyond your favorite Voice America shows. Visit iradioblog.com. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Ready to talk sports with one of the leading sports journalists of today? Welcome to All Around Sports with John Inglesby. John's years of experience as a journalist has allowed him to net exclusive interviews with the top players, former players, commissioners, and owners. John and his guests are ready to give you the straight word when it comes to sports. Now, let's talk all around sports. Here's your host, John Inglesby. Voice America, welcome back to the fifth ever show of all around sports reach friday at 1 p.m eastern time we will go all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what's happened this week and what's coming up for the weekend to join the show the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144 or you can email me at iir at comcast.net what's a beautiful day here in boston and uh as always, it was another wild week in sports. And as usual, I will begin each show with the past week's highlights, lowlights, and bizarre news items that fascinate us all. Then in the second segment today, I will play an interview that I had last week with former Texas Tech football coach Mike Leach. And after that, in the last half hour, I will be joined yet again by my weekly call-in guest, Barry Rubenstein of the New York Post newspaper sports department. But today... I will start with the low light, which is such a no-brainer executed in such a spectacular manner that I simply must start with this low light, which leads later right into my highlight. I am speaking, of course, of the fall from grace of the Los Angeles Lakers, where they went out last Sunday afternoon in disgrace. It was bad enough that they got swept by the Dallas Mavericks, and were pummeled in the final game by 30-plus points. But to go out with the cheap shots by Lamar Odom and Andrew Bynum was just simply inexcusable. The Odom shot on Dirk Nowitzki was, was bad, but the Bynum elbow to an airborne and defenseless uh, Berea bordered on literally criminal assault. And it reminded me that if the uh, Montreal police can go open an investigation into... Uh, Boston Bruins, Zdeno Charo's knocking down the Canadian player into the stanchion a few weeks back. Uh, and the Dallas police could probably make a case to go after Bynum, but I think we're better off, uh, if we're all concerned, not to go there. Anyway, the Laker demise was so bad that even Kobe found it distasteful and spoke about it. And Magic Johnson, who actually draws a paycheck from the Lakers as a consultant, literally unloaded and blasted the organization on national TV before, during, and after the game, 
while calling on uh, owner Jerry Buss to, to blow the whole thing up, which is just remarkable considering uh, the, the two-time defending champion. But, you know, the sweep was shocking enough, but to add to another level of weirdness to the whole thing, there, you know, there was a rumor that Paul, Paul Gasol's girlfriend broke up with him as a result of information that she received as a BFF of uh, Kobe's wife which apparently caused Pau and Kobe not to speak for some period of time. And, you know, it was interesting, uh, and I know it's only a rumor, but strangely, as I witnessed, you know, the Lakers go from, you know, NBA title favorites, literally, to complete disintegration in less than a week, I believed it could only be attributable to something uh, bizarre going on behind the scenes, and if this rumor is true, you know, that's exactly... What would have happened? But uh, it's ironic and actually sad as well that uh, Phil Jackson's 11 championship career had to end like this. But with this low light, you know, uh, it, it becomes even lower when you compare and contrast how the Lakers went out with what is my highlights of the week. And that is uh, how former champions from iconic franchises exited with class and their dignity intact. I am speaking, of course, of uh, the home of the Boston Celtics here in my hometown of Boston. And last night, the Detroit Wed Wings, who were positive exhibits A and B, as we witnessed uh, the changing of the guard in both the NBA and the NHL. With proud players made a championship timber finally succumbing to the young guns. <clears throat> the Celts, of course, were beaten soundly in four, by four games to one by the younger, much more athletic Heat, who clearly showed to me that they were men on a mission. Uh, when I attended the Heat's game day shoot-around last Saturday morning at the TD Garden in Boston before game three. And to get a sense of how much this series meant to the Heat, here, uh, here are some quotes, first from Dwayne Wade and then from LeBron James. Beasts, as Doc River call, Rivers called them, uh, talking last Saturday morning about the high esteem they have for the Celtics. Uh, well, I mean, obviously, it's, I mean, it's not in the back of my mind. I'm not thinking it. Um, you know, that was a lot of years ago. But, you know, it just shows you, you know, the game is never over. The series is never over. Um, until, you know, 0 0 on the clock if once you won that fourth game. It's never over. And, I mean, that's why you hear Kobe say he may be crazy, but he feels they can win a series because the series is never over um, until that team, you know, finally defeats you in that fourth game you know, that they win. So, um, you know, we understand. I mean, it's a lot to talk about, um, you know, it's been over for Boston. We haven't done number one, two games. We got to win four. It's hard to win four games, and we're, we're going to try to calm us their feet. Um, but it's going to be very tough to win here, and we got to go out there and try to do it. So, uh, we, like I said, for this team, we look forward to it. Um, it's going to be a great challenge, um, and uh, hopefully we can um, you know, live up to our expectations. Play well in this building the last few years. So it's not just this team. It's the team I was a part of, too. I mean, we didn't play particularly well always here. Um, but... It's a new day, and um, we're looking to play well tonight. What do you think it is about the Celtics and the players on that team that might make them have a little bit more of that never-say-that attitude than we've seen, at least so far, from, like the Lakers or whatever? No, I don't think so. Uh, I would never think that many team of players would have a never-say-die attitude, especially this team. Uh, they have guys that's, that's Hall of Famers and guys who pride themselves on competing, want to compete at a high level. So. Uh, we don't take that for granted. We don't take going out there against them for granted. So, um, you know, we understand that you 
you're not going to be able just to roll over top of them, no matter what game it is, game three, game four, whatever the case may be. Four days off between games, you feel a little caged up by that? I'm ready to play. Um, you know, I was ready to play again after game two, just um, competitive nature of it, but uh, the rest always helps, helps both teams um, to get us some of the nicks and bruises mm-hmm. you may have had from the series um, thus far, but, uh, you know, it's time. What do you guys do the rest of the day till the 8 o'clock tip? Um, you know, try to get some rest, um, you know, and prepare yourself the best way you can um, you know, until the game starts. Well, there you have it, right from the horse's mouths of Dwayne Wade first and LeBron James second, talking last Saturday morning about uh, how, how much they respected the Celtics, what a daunting task they faced to finally try to break through and slay the dragon that has uh, been their nemesis uh, for the past few years. And, uh, you know, I, it was just, again, just witnessing them at their shoot-around Saturday morning, uh, which was before Game 3, which is, of course, the game they lost. Uh, you know, it was... It really told me a lot. I, I could tell they were uh, they were up for the task, and even though they didn't do it that night, they certainly did it two nights later. And, you know, watching that series as I did, every single minute of it, uh, you know, it was just so obvious, especially as we got to Game 5, which finished with the uh, 16-0 run at the end when the Heat put it away, the game and the series. Uh, it just seemed like they were hanging around, uh, the Celtics, you know, would start out well in the first quarter and, you know, then maintain through the second and third, but the Heat never really let them get too far out in front. And then uh, the young legs, the athleticism just completely took over. And, uh, you know, it was just, so, again, so obvious uh, that they were the better team, younger team, and... They just simply executed, and, you know, they earned everything I, they got. And uh, best of all, when they when they won, they showered even more respect on the Celtics, which was uh, amazing, and particularly to Braun in his post-game comments on national TV immediately following the game. And, uh, yeah, so it was just, again, you know, uh, just a spectacular series. Uh, you know, Rondo going down in... Game three with the elbow, once he got tangled up with Dwayne Wade, uh, you know, that will go down now officially in Celtic lore, uh, along with Bird coming back after hitting his face in 1991 on the floor against Indiana, and John Havlicek uh, playing in the mid-60s with the separated, mid-70s, excuse me, with a separated shoulder, and you know, what Rondo did was amazing, I think, uh, on that game on Saturday night, he was just simply going on adrenaline and, uh, you know, what he did was nothing short of amazing. Uh, but it was clear, you know, and our, it was clear to Doc Rivers as well that, you know, Rondo playing one-handed, uh, you know, is simply not a viable option despite his uh, interesting game, shall we say. So basically, uh that's it for the Celtics for now, and uh, in a related story, though, it's breaking news up here in Boston, literally within the past hour, that Doc Rivers has apparently just signed a contract for five years and $35 million, which is nothing short of amazing up here, because 
he was following the Bill Parcells Patriots model of uh, pretty much going year to year. Uh, most of you probably know that his son, uh, Austin, is the best high, just completed his high school career where he was the best player in America. He's headed to Duke uh, this fall. And, you know, there has been so much talk about Doc, uh, you know, wanting, you know, I think he spent $100,000 on charter airfare going back and forth from Orlando, his home, to see his son play in high school. And uh, so it's it's just a shocking bit of news and, quite frankly, is uh, the perfect salve for Celtic fans who are, uh, you know, still licking their wounds Wondering where do we go from here? What's left with the big three? Why did they trade Kendrick Perkins? What's up with Jeff Green? Is he uh, a viable option? And uh, going forward, and just a whole host of questions. Are we going to witness yet again what we already witnessed with the previous big three of Bird, McHale, and Parrish, where they basically just faded away in the early 90s and the Celtics went into a horrible, horrible Decade-plus-long era, uh, uh, highlight, low-lighted, I should say, by uh, once losing 18 in a row before, of course, Danny Ainge pulled off a miracle and signed the Big Three and uh, was signed Garnett and Allen to form the Big Three with Pierce. So bottom line, it appears that uh, we need another miracle from Dan- Danny in the next couple of years. Um, and finally, in my bizarre sports story of the week, uh, was shocked to read that the jockey who finished second in the Kentucky Derby was found dead in his car at Churchill Downs with uh, this past Tuesday, Wednesday, uh, after he, again, just finished second in the Derby. And apparently he was facing a cocaine charge stemming from an arrest in November. The hearing was supposed to be literally yesterday. And, uh, again, found dead in his car. So very, very unfortunate. And speaking of the Kentucky Derby, following up on last week, I had said that Tom Brady would be there. And, indeed, he was introduced by NBC right off the top, showing him in his uh, Kentucky Derby garb. So uh, it's good to see my prediction come true. Der- Brady loves the Derby. So now, as my former co-host, Lemont Williams, from outside the huddle, likes to say, it's time to pay some bills, so let's take our break. And next on our show will be my interview with former Texas Tech football coach, Mike Leach. flagship station for sports voice america sports okay sports fans here's your opportunity to discuss football america's favorite sport on an annual basis millions of people attend watch and listen to football both pro and college ray ellis sports an internet talk radio show was developed with the fan in mind Join host former Philadelphia Eagles and Cleveland Browns strong safety Ray Ellis on Voice America Sports every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific for exciting interactive football discussions from the fans' perspective. Tune in every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice America Network. And let's talk football. Do you love sports talk? Can't get enough sports talk? 
have we got a show for you. It's about the NFL training camps, Super Bowl previews, a look at the new starting quarterbacks, and weekly key injuries. We'll take your calls and emails right on the air. Former Philadelphia Eagle James Loving is your host, and you never know who'll drop by for a co-host spot or an interview on the spot. Tune in to Loving That Sports Talk with James Loving every Wednesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. The opening kickoff is a beauty. It's a fly ball deep right field. That goes O'Neal. He's at the shot. Got it. With 2.8 seconds left to left. I don't care where they put him. This one is out of here. From high school to the pros, we, we cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, Voice America, to segment two of All Around Sports. And to join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144. Or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And as advertised, next up is an interview I conducted last week with former Texas Tech football coach and offensive guru, Mike Leach, who I had met at the uh, MIT Sports Analytics Forum in Boston two months ago. And here comes my interview with Mike. Well, this is John Inglesby, the host of All Around Sports, and I'm here with Mike Leach, former coach at Texas Tech. And, Mike, thank you so much for joining us. Well, I appreciate you having me on. Uh, our pleasure, Mike. And, uh... First thing I wanted to get your thoughts on were the NFL Draft, which I attended last week at Radio City Music Hall. Well, I'll tell you, 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 you apparently have more excitement for it than I do. I'm excited about players and teams as they get put together, but the uh, just as far as uh, somebody getting drafted, it's a, you know, I, I want to I see what they do first, but uh, you know, there's always surprises, there's always misses, there's always hits, and... Uh, and uh, I typically read it in the, in the uh, newspaper on the, well, actually on the internet, I guess. But uh, how was it? Did you have fun up there? It was just a terrific time. Uh, for me, it was a bucket list item. It was my first time attending the draft, and it was quite a spectacle. So just to see the joy and unbridled emotion of these players, uh, Achieving the dream, living the dream, shall we say. All the hard work they put in their entire life playing football. And on that night, both Friday and Saturday night, uh, you know, their dreams came true. So it was raw emotion and it was just terrific. And, uh, you know, one of the most interesting things about it was, you know, all the quarterbacks taken uh, in the first round and given your... uh, expertise with quarterbacks uh what were your thoughts on that well i don't you know i I don't i can't recall exactly who was taking the first round but my overall thoughts are uh uh that uh you know every every single team uh has drafted quarterbacks in the first round there's no 
I live up here about 20 minutes from Gillette Stadium, uh, where the Patriots play, of course. So as a 16-year season ticket holder, I was very pleased with the selection of Ryan Mallett. I think he is a tremendous player, and obviously you agree. Well, yeah, and I don't know about the questions that were uh, that, that arose about him, and uh, that would be something to look at. And uh, and I don't know if you know, I don't even know if uh, if there's any truth to it. But uh, as far as just a guy that went out there, you know, when you when you played Arkansas this last year, the guy that you had to be most concerned about, the guy that you had to stop, was Ryan Mallett. He, he commanded attention on his team. Uh, as did uh, Kaepernick in a fashion that uh, that I don't believe can be said about uh, of most of the other quarterbacks. Yeah, well, that's an interesting point, and uh, so yeah, it should be interesting. As as we well know, only time will tell with these picks. And uh, now, have you ever been to an NFL draft by any chance? Never been. Uh, never been. But you know, it'd be it'd, it'd be worth going to from the standpoint that if it didn't work out for me, uh, then I could uh, go hang out in New York, which is a blast. It's hard to screw up New York because if you get bored, you just go take a walk. And then the, and then the other thing is uh, uh, a good friend of mine, and I guess I view him as a bit of a mentor because I certainly bounce questions and ask his advice. Uh, Gil Brandt's there front and, front and center, and few people know more about the NFL than Gil Brandt, and uh, his company is uh, always well worth the time. And I actually had the pleasure of meeting Gil Brandt at an NFL event, so I know exactly what you're saying. He is a special person, to say the least. Well, no question, and uh, very knowledgeable, and also uh, uh, one of those guys that, uh, you know, you don't even have to ask him about football. You can ask him about anything, and he's got a perspective on it. Very good, very true, and uh, and Mike, you know, we, you and I met at the MIT Sports Analytics Forum a couple months ago up here in Boston, and uh, where you were one of the speakers, so obviously you're doing some speaking nowadays, but can you tell us a little bit about uh, the other things that you're doing these days? Well, we're bouncing all over the place, I'm bouncing all over doing speaking, I've spoken a number of teams including the Sports Analytical Conference at MIT, but I've, spoke, I've spoken to a number of teams to their offensive staffs uh, and at their clinics. And then, uh, you know, I'm coming up, I'm speaking uh, to, to a, a group of attorneys in Arkansas. I'm a consultant for a, a, an American football team in France. I'm on uh, Sirius uh, XM Radio, uh, Channel 91, with uh, Jack Roots five days a week, uh, noon to 3 Eastern. And I'm, uh, you know, it really has been pretty busy. And then uh, got a book coming out, a uh, memoir book coming out uh, the first part of August. And uh, I'm in Tucson and uh, Arizona uh, as a part of the Eastern Energy uh, College All-Star Game last year. We had it in Phoenix, but uh, down here in Tucson, uh, uh, you know, looking at uh, the opportunity here and, uh, you know, it's great to be here and also uh, uh, expect good things to come out of it. Well, that sounds wonderful, and uh, I wish you the best of luck in all your endeavors, and I really appreciate you taking the time to come on and talk with us here at All Around Sports, and I look forward to 
talking with you soon, and thanks again for for dialing in, and uh, let's plan to talk again once the book comes out. I'd love to get your perspective on it. Well, that sounds good. I'll tell you, uh, speaking of quarterbacks in the draft, uh, an interesting perspective would be uh, Tom Brady drafted in, was it the sixth round? Yep, number one, number 199. Ask him what he thinks about first round drafted quarterback. I agree, and ESPN did that great show of uh, the Brady Six on the five quarterbacks drafted ahead of him, and he was number 199 at the end of the sixth round. And you're right on with that comment, Mike. He was uh, he, He's the poster child of all draft picks forevermore. Well, he certainly is. And, of course, the poster child for first-round guys would be the likes of uh, Peyton and Eli Manning and then... Uh, I think Donovan McNabb, you talk about a guy that we picked in the first round, had a long career, a lot of people tried to knock him off the hill, and none of them could. Yes, and I remembered, uh, I was reminded of Donovan McNabb, because next to the New York Jets fans, when you're live at the draft, and even it comes across on TV, the number one uh, group of fans that are most uh, heard from are Philadelphia Eagles fans, so I always remember how they booed the selection of Donovan McNabb. Uh, many years well, ago. Well, well, the Eagles fans uh, have an opinion on everything, which I like, because I'm always curious what a person's thinking. And then the other thing is, is uh, they don't have communication problems because they all speak loudly, and uh, and which I actually appreciate because uh, uh, folks in Philadelphia, you don't have to ask them twice because I guarantee you, you heard them the first time. You got that right. I'm originally from Pennsylvania, although more out towards Pittsburgh, so I know exactly what you mean by folks from Philly. They they let you hear it loud and clear. Well, once again, Mike, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Uh, Just once again, you know, uh, any other thoughts you have on... You know, the NFL in general, college football, the state of college football, there's been a lot swirling about with, uh, geez, everything from BCS Bulls to coach suspensions to whatever. Uh, what are your thoughts on the state of college football these days? Well, I think it's really good, and I think there's all kinds of changes, and everybody's looking at ways to make it better, but nobody can get under the same roof of how to do it, but... Uh, you know, I think it's good. There's more on TV than ever before, and that shows a lot of fan excitement. And then uh, NFL, that'll be interesting how that comes out. I was at the Combine. When I was at the Combine, uh, it seemed to be uh, uh, quite a bit of guarded optimism on the thing getting settled. And, and, and now there's really not the optimism, so and it's kind of like it, it, nobody knows exactly what to expect. So it'll be interesting what how the NFL season shapes up. And it's It'll impact the college season as far as uh, what days they play on, whether any of the games go to Sunday and when some of the bowls are. Oh, absolutely. Uh, so you were at the Combine. How, what was that experience like? Yeah. It's a lot of fun. I've been there before. You know, you get the, the NFL is a smaller group of uh, coaches. You know, there, there's there's not so many uh, people there. So you, you get to see an awful lot of people. And, uh, it's uh, you know, it's just good to be around football That is good. Uh, now, do you see any more?
coaching in your future, or what are your yeah, thoughts on that? Absolutely, there's uh, absolutely. It's uh, you know when the right opportunity uh, comes along, uh, I'll know it and I'll do it. You know. That's good to hear. There's no question that. Football fans everywhere, including myself, look forward to the day that you are back on the sidelines and uh, producing championship levels teams, which you've done in the past. So we look forward to that, Mike. Well, I appreciate that. Well, once again, thank you so much for coming on and uh, look forward to talking to you down the road. All right, well, thanks so much for having me on. You're welcome, Mike. Thank you. Well, as you could hear, Voice America... Mike is certainly an engaging personality and living life to the fullest. And it sure sounds like we're going to see him on the sidelines soon, probably sooner rather than later. So once again, it's time to take our break. And next on our show will be our guest, Barry Rubenstein from the New York Post Sports Department. internet flagship station for sports voice america sports the revolution has begun with jim and trav does hunting and fishing help restore our servicemen and women coming back from the war weighing in on this is jim dolan president of heroes on the water wounded warrior fishing's mark mcduffie paralyzed veterans of america homer townsend and veteran outdoors television host wes higgins all our special guests this week, brought to you by Ram Trucks at RamTrucks.com. Wednesdays at 1 Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. I'm Jim Ferguson. I'll see you on the trail. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between, discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Listen to Sports Talk at the Positive Pub every Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Gil Tyree talks to sports newsmakers, playmakers, and story breakers. You, the hardcore, interactive, and novice fan, can join the show via your phone calls and emails. Sample what's good, right, and positive about the world of sports every week. Begin your week in a positive way with Sports Talk from the Positive Pub. Be here every Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to segment Three And to join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net to join my, us on All Around Sports. So it's that time of the show when we invite guests to join us on All Around Sports, and I would like to reintroduce Barry Rubenstein from the New York Post Sports Department. And Barry, how are you doing today? Good, John. How are you? I'm doing well, thanks. And... uh 
lots of playoffs still going on, and I uh, was thinking of you last night as I watched uh, the San Jose Sharks and Detroit Red Wings in their great, great Game 7. Uh, there's just nothing like a Game 7 in the NHL, and... Uh, you know, I was talking earlier, my theme of the show has been, you know, classless exits and dignified exits by uh, iconic franchises, and uh, certainly the Red Wings fall in that category. So what were your thoughts on the Red Wings-Sharks game? Well, I, I think, you know, as you said, the, 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 there probably is nothing better in all of sports than a Game 7, in a, uh, particularly in a uh, Stanley Cup series. The only thing... Probably better than that is overtime in Game 7, which, we, which we've seen a few times already. But, uh, right. yeah, uh, this was a terrific series. And, you know, you talk about teams, you know, we talk about teams that, that go out classless, and then we talk about the other way. And I think, I think you're right. I think the Red Wings do epitomize, uh, you know, a team that, that, that had class right to the very end uh, of that series. And, uh, you know, you could just kind of tell just watching during – during the uh, the uh, traditional handshaking ceremonies, you know, looking at guys like uh, you know Pavel Datsuk and Nick Lidstrom and you know uh, uh, Zetterberg and all, all the great players that have that have had so much success with the Red Wings, and just kind of wonder if this is kind of like the last uh, last curtain call for that group. Um, you know, there's there's talk that Lidstrom may may bow out, um, but it, it'll be interesting to see. And and you know, unfortunately. For the Red Wings, you know, somebody somebody has to lose, and uh, that, that, that's the way it, it ends for, for there's only one team that winds up winning winning everything at the end, and every, everybody else winds up feeling exactly the way that, that the Red Wings did last night. You know, a very hard-fought series, a series that really was, was nip and tuck the whole way, very even series, but, um, you know, you just, you just kind of wonder, and, uh, you know, wonder what, what, what the future lies. I mean, uh, uh, you know, Nick Lindstrom is, is 41, and, you know, I think the team is hoping he comes back, but, you know, he's, he said he has to make some decisions and, you know, uh, family decisions, and they're all going to get together and decide what to do. And, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens for next year, but it's quite possible that this could be the last, uh, last hurrah for these guys and, you know, and, and what a run it's been for them. You know, they've, they've had great success, but, you know, they're getting a little long in the tooth, you know, and maybe it's time for, you know, someone else to kind of push, aside, push them aside and take the stage, and uh, is the Sharks may be the team to do that. Well, I agree, Barry, and, uh, you know, they certainly deserve uh, winners, winning ways to continue up there in hockey town. And, uh, you know, and then the biggest testament to the Red Wings' classy exit to me, uh, I agree with the handshakes and everything. It was terrific. Clearly warm felt with the San Jose coach who used to be the Detroit assistant coach. Right. But uh, it was just the way they played. I mean, all night it was an uphill battle for them, but they never let up. And when they were down 3-1... Certainly everyone thought it was over, and yet they come back to make it 3-2. And once you have a one-goal hockey game, uh, it can be uh, anything can happen, especially with the Red Wings. And But turning the page to the young guns, as I like to call them, uh, Joe Thornton, former first number one pick of the Boston Bruins, was certainly an interesting interview at the conclusion of Game 7 on Versus. Uh, I could not believe the confidence oozing from him versus, no pun intended, the last time I saw him uh, interviewed up here in Boston when uh, he was leaving town, and uh, he's a different guy. So what do you think about the uh, Sharks-Canucks series? 
Well, I, I agree with you that uh, Thornton does seem like a different guy. I mean, you know, uh, you know, in, in, uh, when he left town in Boston, he was pretty much pretty much uh, running out of town on a rail. But um, he certainly developed into uh, you know a leader. And I think, and I think one of the one of the things that that I like about the Sharks is that you have a lot of good leader types in that locker room. And, and I think, you know. I think nationally, and you know, certainly, you know, here in the Northeast, where where, where both of us are based, you know, you tend to kind of uh, overlook teams from the West Coast. You know, they're on very late. You don't see them that much, not necessarily on TV a lot. So, you know, they they kind of fly under the radar. But I think this year, particularly, uh, I think we're going to see a, and and I think we're seeing it already, kind of a coming out party for a lot of these young players uh, on the Sharks and players that maybe people haven't uh, really gotten to see on a big stage before, you know, players like Pavelski and Setaguchi uh, from the Sharks, and, uh, and Niemi is playing out of his mind in goal, so you know, I, I think it's going to be a terrific series, a uh, series that's going to be really fun to watch, um, wide open, uh, you know, as you know, your typical Western Conference hockey goes, um, gee, it, it's going to be it's really hard to pick a winner in this series, because uh, uh, Roberto Longo has been, been so terrific in goal for the Canucks. And, you know, they have a lot of experience over there as well. And, you know, they have uh, a, a young leader type also uh, in that dressing room in uh, Ryan Kessler, who will remember played, very, played so well for a Team USA in the Olympics. Uh, so that's a series I think can go either way. And it's, 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 it's kind of hard to, for me to pick a winner in that one. But I think certainly six or seven games, and it's going to be wide open, it's going to be fun to watch, and it's going uh, to be a barn burner out there for sure. Well, I agree, Barry, and uh, you mentioned the Emmy, and, you know, I, I just can't help but think as I watched him last night that I was so mystified last spring when after he won the Stanley Cup as the goalie for the Blackhawks that they let him go, as well as equally mystified when uh, the Montreal Canadiens let go their super hot goalie that got him, you know, to the Eastern Conference Finals, so... What do I know? But uh, you know, I mean, again, it works I out help. sometimes. You know, uh, sometimes yes. you change the scenery. Um, you know, you, you you're right. You kind of wondered last year. You know, Niemi wins the Stanley Cup for them, and then he's gone. And uh, you know, but uh, you know, guys, guys, the cream tends to rise. And uh, you know, he found a new home in San Jose, and uh, he's he's carrying them to, to heights that they haven't been to before. So uh, we'll see how far that goes. Absolutely, and. Uh... Wouldn't it be fascinating to see the San Jose Sharks make it to the Stanley Cup Finals and face <clears throat> Joe Thornton's former team? Again, where he's run out of Boston on a rail, uh, the Boston Bruins. So what are your thoughts on the Bruins-Lightning Eastern Conference Finals that get underway tomorrow night right here in Boston? Well, that 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 that, and you know, I think that's going to be a fun series to watch too. Um, you know, the, the the one thing that I didn't mention about about the Red Wings just, just stepping back for one second is, you know, it's always it's always a personal quest of mine to see an original six series, and uh, you know, the Red Wings were uh, were the you know were the last hope of that. Um, you know, Red Wings uh, Bruins final was was possible until last night, but uh, there hasn't been one since 1979, by the way, for. Uh, for our listeners, uh, when the Rangers played wow. the Canadians, has not been an original six final since then. So we'll have to wait another year. But moving forward, um, you have two teams here that I think are very different. Uh, you know, the Bruins have 
gotten as far as they did with defense and goaltending. And, you know, anyone who's, who's watched the Bruins this year knows how well Tim Thomas has played in the postseason. He's, he's just been remarkable. He's, he stood on his head the last series, got them through. Um, and uh, Chara's played very well, and uh, a lot of their core uh, is coming together at the right time. But you know, certainly defense and goaltending is a strength there. I think for the Lightning, you know, the Lightning play more like a Western Conference team than an Eastern Conference team. You know, it's offense first. As far as uh, as far as uh, they're concerned, and it'll be very interesting to see uh, a bit of a reunion because uh, Tim Thomas and the Martin Saint Louis were both teammates at the University of Vermont. Maybe a lot of people don't realize that, but uh, they go back a long way together. They know each other very well, and um, the big challenge here will be if the Bruins' defense can stop the Tampa Bay offense. Uh, you know, I, my belief is always defense and goaltending are what win in the playoffs. So I think you're going to see, uh, not to jinx them, but I, I think you're going to see the Bruins come out on top here. Um, there are some people that are picking uh, Tampa Bay because they're so explosive offensively. But again, because defense and goaltending are so paramount in the postseason, I, I, I think the Bruins get the edge here. And if they can play the way they played in this series, the way they've played in the past two, I think they have a very, very, very good shot of uh, going to the finals and winning their first cup since uh Bruins fans will don't even have to think far. 1972. So that's, it's been a while for the Bruins too. They have a pretty long drought as well. So um, I think they have a good shot of uh, certainly going going that far and uh, maybe even uh, ending that even uh, ending that uh, little slump. Yes, excellent points, Barry. And uh, yeah, I mean both teams have had you know an inordinate layoff, to put it mildly, and. Uh, you know, I don't know how it's going to play out. I mean, there's a lot of talk about, you know, sizzling hot Tim Thomas cooling off. But in the same light, Rollison, the Tampa Bay goalie, has been equally hot and equally amazing because, you know, he, he has more of a journeyman background. And I believe he's about 41 years old. So, uh, you know, it's just going to be uh, fascinating to watch both series. And um, we'll just have to wait and see what happens. So, uh well, I think we're going to take our break now, um, and next up we have Eric Reed joining us. He is the television play-by-play announcer for the Miami Heat, and uh, so we'll take our break now. When we come back, Eric Barry and I will be on. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. This Is It Sports is an engaging talk program that includes you, the experts, and sports, all moderated by Coach Carl Hargrave. We'll talk about what's going on in the general sports world, collegiate and professional, take a look at youth-oriented sports, athletic development and sportsmanship, faith, and where it has its place in sports, along with a lively discussion with Coach Carl every week. Tune in to This Is It Sports with Coach Carl Hargrave every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. We some hard hitters, we some hard hitters. Hard Hitting Radio is a new kind of sports and entertainment show. Your hosts are NFL veterans Mark McMillan and co-host Byron Evans. It's an hour of hater-free radio every week. You'll hear interviews with top athletes, celebrities, coaches, and fans. It's humor, hits, and conversation. Hard Hitting Radio is on with McMillan and Evans. Listen Fridays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the 
Voice America Sports Network. The job of a professional athlete is never complete. In Life After the Game, host Lamar Campbell will take an inside look at how athletes are making the transition from the professional athletics world to the professional business world. You'll understand the goals, motivations, and personalities that drive these players off the field and in their post-professional career. Tune in to Life After the Game with Lamar Campbell every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, Voice America, and continuing with our NBA coverage, we are honored to welcome Eric Reed, the television play-by-play announcer for the Miami Heat, whom I met last Saturday during the Miami Heat shoot-around up here at the uh, TD Garden in Boston. And welcome, Eric. Uh, and I'm here also joining us with is Barry Rubenstein of the New York Post Sports Department. And how are you doing today, Eric? John, great to be on with you. Barry, nice to meet you. New York Post always been one of my favorite newspapers growing up on Long Island. And oh, uh, proud Island here in Boca Raton, Florida. I still get that New York Post on my doorstep every morning. It's a beautiful thing. Well, well that, that is. I'm, I'm really glad to hear that. That's super. Well, Eric, uh, I have to ask you, uh, I know the mood up here in Boston. Uh, so what's the mood in Miami after the Heat finally exercised their Boston Demons on Tuesday night, a game that you obviously attended? I think we've overcome our case of temporary jubilation down here in South Florida and are now moving forward. And, uh, you know, all of a sudden it shifts uh, to the next challenge and the next step up the mountain. And what should be a great conference final against the Bulls is the top two seeds in the East. Uh, you know, the, these two teams have a playoff pass, including a meeting in the 97 conference finals. And I, I think the focus has shifted to that, but begrudgingly, because uh, that, that was a great series for Miami against Boston. I don't think anybody, I didn't hear a single prediction anywhere uh, calling, that, calling for a five-game series for either team. So I, I think when you win the first two at home, you obviously put great pressure on the, on, the, uh, on the other team to do the same, and Boston wasn't able to do that. I think the Rondo injury was a key to making it a shorter series, and I'm not sure how it ultimately would have went. I have a feel, you know, my prediction was the Heat in seven. Uh, five games, I think it shows you the, the great value of, of this current trio in Miami that has gone underappreciated and, and under the radar only in the sense of their production. I mean, everything else is over the top. The criticism of them is over the top. But talk about their production as the highest-scoring trio in 20 years. I mean, to me, that's gone underscored, and everybody's still stuck on, you know, the Heat celebration when they signed them and, and LeBron's TV show. Oh, well. Yeah, I think people need to get over that and past that. And, uh, you know, speaking of celebrations, I mean, there's been a lot of talk in the national media about was the Heat celebration immediately following the victory excessive given that they had just won, quote, a second-round playoff series. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? 
you know, again, to me, it's it's such utter nitpicking, and it's so easy to go after that rather than talk about the the basketball we just witnessed over over a five game series between two very good teams and two very well coached teams and two great defensive teams and great players on both sides. And what does the does the national media jump on it? That there was emotion and and joy over vanquishing the defending conference champ, a, a franchise with an extraordinary tradition. And for LeBron, listen, it, no matter what this guy does, it gets looked at the wrong way, no matter how good it is. I mean, guy just scored 10 points in a row. Uh, the team goes on a 16-0 run to end the game, and that's what the national media is talking about? I mean, I think, I think it's ridiculous and petty. And I, I thought the Heat players, especially LeBron and Dwayne, handled themselves perfectly in that series. I mean, compete, they competed their butts off while all while being respectful to the Celtics. LeBron called it, you know, the Celtics, the blueprint for what Miami did. I mean, it was great reference and respect for the Celtics and, and just great play by those two superstars who are, are getting scorned by the media for whatever the reason, but they align to try to win championships, and, and that's what it's supposed to be about, not about ego or, or first-team All-NBA or who's MVP or who's leading score or whose team is this. It's about trying to win a championship. It's all that we as media and fan you know, for years, forever, embrace. And now for some reason, uh, people have turned a blind eye to that and just seize on whatever negative they see out of it. But all the while, the Heat has used that as fuel, and they're still alive. You know, they're in the Final Four in the NBA. It's, it's only the fourth time in 23 years the Heat have made it to the conference finals. Yet it's the third time since 05. So people down here haven't taken it for granted. Uh, this is what our organization is, is predicated on, trying to compete for a championship. And all that outside stuff is just noise and fuel. Uh, the, the, the goal remains the same, and, and the heat remain alive. Well, I agree wholeheartedly. I thought it was just ridiculous, the criticism of the heat celebration being excessive. And you two New Yorkers will appreciate that uh, as it was happening, what I found myself thinking of was when the New York Jets beat the Indianapolis Colts this past year in the NFL playoffs and out in Indy on the last second field goal. And, you know, they didn't win the Super Bowl, but they won. They exercised a demon, much like the Heat. They beat a team that many people didn't think they could beat. And, uh, again, that was the first thought in my mind as I was watching them, and I thought they, again, paid the Celtics tremendous respect. And, uh, Barry, I'm guessing that you have a uh, question or two for Eric, so feel free to fire away. Well, the, the the thing that that that, uh, that struck me, uh, you know, about how things went down last night, um, you know, it was a year ago when uh, LeBron James was uh, roundly criticized, you know, pretty much across all circles for the way the, um, you know, he was pretty much held responsible for the way the Cavaliers uh, got beat by the Celtics, and so you know, it's funny, you know, Eric, you talk about um, uh, emotion, and you talk about uh, you know everything. That's kind of come to a fore here. I think that a lot of the emotion, you know, for LeBron certainly goes back to that time, and you know, just kind of being able to close that chapter and put that behind him because you know that was that was the event that led to him, I think, leaving Cleveland and going to Miami and and putting this team together, and you know, certainly the emotions of all of that coming out, uh, I think, were also a, a big factor in how this team has progressed as well. Well, you make a lot of good points about, you know, the, the personal angle for LeBron. Um, you know, his team got eliminated twice by Boston. Uh, you know, when you, when you get eliminated in the playoffs, when you're a championship-aspiring team or player, you know, it leaves a scar that never goes away. So 
and, you know, he was criticized greatly for it. So it was a great hurdle overcome. Wade had been eliminated by Boston last year as well. To me, it's a little, it's really a shame what's happened to LeBron. It's a guy that America's watched since high school and for the most part has never done anything wrong. I mean, he's never had any trouble, you know, outside the court. I mean, the guy's been a model citizen, a great ambassador of the game, a great player of the game, a student of the game. And because of either a changing team as a free agent, instead of squabbling for a trade in the middle of a season like uh, Carmelo did this year and got very little criticism for it, LeBron waited until he was a free agent and then moved teams and you know in pursuit of, of, of a greater goal. So I think he's the most over-scrutinized athlete for the wrong reasons of, of any modern-day athlete that I can remember. And, again, I think people are missing the boat. I mean, you're watching one of the game's great players have a Magic Johnson-type effect on each game he plays, and having him team with Wade, listen, it's been extraordinary for, for Heat fans and for all of us down here, but now the, on, a, on a playoff stage, the, the world is watching uh, after a year of, of refining this, two of the game's greatest ever players combining as teammates and compromising ego, it's never been about who's going to get the last shot or whose team it's been, so it, it's really been a great story rather than the negative one as it's being perceived in other places. Well, you know, it's funny, we're, you know, we're talking about LeBron, but Dwayne Wade scored 34 points last night. So, you know, it's always been, you know, until LeBron came, the, the Heat were, were uh, D. Wade's team. So, you know, I, I think you're right, Eric. You have, you have two. Both those players found out that you can be the, the, the big fish, right? You can win MVP twice in LeBron's case. It's not about that. It's about having enough to win a championship. And I think those are two of our modern-day players that understood that. And within the rules of the game, they did something about it. And, uh, you know, as they said, Boston set the blueprint. But I think, you know, it's like the, the job Pat Riley did putting it together. I mean, to share the Executive of the Year award for to me is, is like, ridiculous. Well, and no disrespect to what Gar Foreman did. The Bulls did an excellent job in the offseason of, of reshaping and retooling that team. But the haul the Heat had, getting these three stars to align, to me, is one of the great offseason accomplishments in pro sports history, let alone the NBA. So it didn't happen overnight. It was a three-year plan for Pat Riley, but he executed to perfection. And uh, the Heat are just beginning to reap the rewards of, of, of running a first-class organization that is really committed to chasing championships. So Mickey Harrison, Pat Riley, they should be enjoying this run right now. And certainly, I think that you know, if if the Heat are if the Heat do go on and win the championship, you know what a what a uh, you know last lap, so to speak, that uh, the LeBron and all the you know will have, and uh, the team will have, and you know all the the critics of how this team was put together in the histrionics and the dramatics, and uh, you know, I think all those will be shoved under uh, under the table if uh, if the Heat win with this group, and there's a really good chance of that happening, I think. Well, well, it should we be. know how winning influences perception. I mean, uh, I, I think you saw it in Kobe Bryant, one of, one of the clearest examples. I think Ron Art changed Ron Artest's image a little bit, Kobe's image uh, tremendously. So winning is, uh, you know, America loves winning, and uh, we'll see if they can handle if the Heat continue to win. But that's not what it's about for Miami. I mean, that's the noise around the country, and that's great for talk shows and, and you know, and the like. But uh, it's not. It's not been. It, I don't think it's been a distraction at all in Miami. I do think early in the year, when when faced with all of this, the bluster of it all, and going to Cleveland, it did forge what what Spolster called the band of brothers mentality that the Heat has really uh, played all year with, and right now it's still working for him. Well, Eric, 
wonderful observations all and uh you know i want to thank you for coming on and i think all of america is waiting for uh the bulls heat series which is going to bring some serious serious star power with d rose joining uh lebron and wade and i think it's going to be a great series and we just really appreciate you coming on and giving your observations direct from south beach and american airlines arena and uh Maybe we'll have you back on the show as as the playoffs progress and uh, get some more of your great observations. That would that would be fine. It's a great time of year for basketball fans. It's you know great games, and right now two two very very good teams are about to collide in the East, and uh, one of them one of them's daring to be great. Now, I think it's going to be a very enjoyable series for all of America to watch, and no matter who you root for, it should be great basketball. Well, terrific. Well, thank you again, Eric, for kind of joining the show, and Barry, as always. Thank you for joining the show, and everybody out in Voice America land, have a great weekend. Thanks again for tuning in to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Be sure to tune in again next Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a terrific weekend, and we'll talk sports again next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.